Hey, it's Matt Bowles. If you want to hang out with me in person, I'm going to be at the Latino Travel Fest in Elizabeth, New Jersey, May 31st to June 2nd. And I've got a 15% discount for you to join me. Just go to themaverickshow.com slash Latino. That's L-A-T-I-N-O. There you're going to see your 15% discounted ticket. There are going to be multiple guests from The Maverick Show attending, so you'll be able to hang out with all of us in person. You do not need to be Latino in order to attend Everyone is welcome. Again, get your discounted ticket at themaverickshow.com slash Latino. And as soon as you do, send me a DM on Instagram at Matt Bowles Maverick. Let me know that you're coming so that we can make plans to link up in person. And now here's a clip of what's coming up on today's episode. A rebirth of creative ways to have that connection online. So we mentioned like a karaoke party. I think that getting a bunch of people on a Zoom call, singing and having virtual glasses of wine can be a really good stress relief. Recipe swaps where everyone shares a recipe and you kind of, it's like that Pinterest fail where like you'll all make it in your separate homes and take pictures of it. And then you can upload your pictures and talk about like whose looks like it's from a food and wine magazine and who looks like it should be thrown out in the garbage can add a little like humor and make sure that people are eating well and taking care of themselves. So I think there's lots of opportunities here for like really fun ways to connect with your colleagues and almost like more than you would in an office, like see what life is like for them. Today's most interesting real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and world travelers. And learn the strategies and tactics they use to succeed. And now, here's your host, Matt Bowles. Hey, everybody, it's Matt Bowles. Welcome to the Maverick Show. My guest today is Allie Green. She is a full time digital nomad, logistics guru, business consultant, and remote work expert who helps companies optimize their remote work infrastructure to succeed in the changing world of work. With 10 years of startup experience and four years leading remote teams and implementing frameworks for organizations while traveling the world full-time, Ali is a sought-after speaker, author, and business strategist. She is the founder and CEO of Kohana, whose mission is to educate, inspire, and engage teams to create efficient, effective, and innovative frameworks for the future of work, regardless of where or what their office looks like. Allie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Matt. How are you doing? Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, I am doing well, uh, thankfully. I want to just sort of contextualize this for folks in terms of the context in which we're recording this. So we are now recording this uh, going into the final week of March amidst the global COVID-19 pandemic. And what we wanted to do with the podcast is to 
bring people valuable, actionable, tactical things that can add value to their lives right now, this time, this moment during the COVID-19 pandemic that will be directly relevant to what they're experiencing, what they're going through. And so I wanted to have you back on the show. If anybody has not listened to the first Allie Green episode, it was episode number 12 and would highly encourage you to check that out. But, you know, Ali, when I was thinking about how could the Maverick Show try to bring value to people right now, what types of content could we bring that would add value to what people are experiencing and going through right now? You know, you are one of the first people that came to mind because you are one of the top experts in all of the things we just read about that I know personally. And I wanted to have you back on the show. So I really, really appreciate you jumping on in, in short notice to, you know, share your expertise with us today. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here. It's been just surreal the past couple of weeks and thinking about our last interview, you and I were together in Kenya, like doing this face to face. And now we're in totally different parts of the world and facing some of the same fears and anxieties that I think lots of people are, are facing. So I'm recording this right now from a town in France. I arrived to France last week and was meant to be spending time here and then traveling to Spain and, and going on to some other locations. And as soon as I touched down, flights were getting canceled left and right. And I was trying to make a decision on what to do and where to spend my time and ultimately decided that no travel and hunkering down was probably for the best. And so I will be here for the foreseeable future. Yeah. And the same with me. I'm actually in Asheville, North Carolina. I am at my parents' house here. I was visiting them when all of this uh, began escalating and it became clear what was happening and how serious the situation was. And so I made the same decision, which was, of course, to cancel every travel plan I had for the whole year and just to be based indefinitely here. And we are doing, we're in Asheville, North Carolina. And at the time of this recording, they have closed all the schools in this particular state and they have closed all of the restaurants and bars, except for takeout and delivery, of course. But they haven't issued what some of the other states have issued, which is the shelter in place order. We, however, my parents and I are voluntarily choosing to shelter in place. And what that means is that we are choosing basically to structure our lives where the only time we're leaving the house is for outdoor exercise. And we're able to do that in a very safe way here because we're actually in the mountains of Western North Carolina. So it's very easy to go jogging or hiking or walking without coming within six feet of another human being. So it's, it's very easy to do that here. Fortunately, the weather is actually getting nice in the spring, fortunately. So we have a lot of fortunate things there. But other than that, we are not leaving the house. We're not going to any public uh, buildings. We're not, you know, we have all of our groceries delivered, like we've restructured everything so that we're at home unless we're outdoors exercising a safe distance away from anyone else. And so that's really what the shelter at home policies have been. And even though they haven't enacted quite as strict here, what they've done in California, we're voluntarily doing that anyways, because you know, th this whole thing is so serious and it's not just about our personal safety. Like that's certainly one thing. My parents are in their 70s now and they're in that super high risk demographic. So obviously I want to protect 
their safety as well as my own. But even more so than our personal safety, this is a global epidemic. And the reality is that, you know, young asymptomatic people they now think are driving the spread of this unknowingly, perhaps. And so it's really important that, you know, we take these types of precautions. And the reason we're taking these precautions is so that we don't contribute to spreading this to other people and doing harm to other people um, right now. And so that's why, you know, we've been doing this voluntary shelter in place thing for, you know, for a couple of weeks already. Yeah. And I definitely think it's an interesting time for many of us. This is the first experience that we have ever faced with something that is this serious and this global. And I think a lot of people are confused and they're reading lots of news articles and they're trying to work through the facts and their own emotions. And it's one of those things that looking back, it's better to be safe than sorry. And it's, it's unfortunate and it's scary. And it's also opening up the world to a lot of cool and interesting things as well. So in addition to the focus on remote work, which to be honest, I have very mixed feelings about given that this is such a, a terrible experience for so many people in the world, but also just how families are spending time with each other, education and like all these children being out of school throughout the world and how um, people are rallying around supporting them and sharing online creative ways to manage their time and and keep them learning and asking questions and thoughtful and creative, I think is the silver lining in what is a tragedy for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think, you know, the first thing, you know, I want to open this conversation up a little bit, Ali, and kind of get into some of this. But the first thing that I think is really important is just to let folks know that it's okay to be, you know, feeling, you know, uncertainty and, you know, fear and stress and all, you know, anxiety and all that kind of stuff. I mean, we're all feeling it. I mean, I'm certainly feeling it. You know, I know that my friends are feeling it. And and these are even people that have been working remotely for a while and are very comfortable with a location independent lifestyle. And so, you know, the first thing is that it's okay to feel those things, right? And that that's okay. I mean, I just want to open it up and sort of share that. And I'd love to actually ask you, Allie, maybe just to start just on a personal note in terms of how you've, you know, kind of processed things the last couple of weeks and also maybe give people, you know, a little bit of insight into, you know, what is it like in France right now? Because for people that don't know, the entire country is on a, you know, stay at home lockdown order. So can you maybe share, you know, your experience through that? Yeah, unfortunately, like, I feel like I can't share much because I haven't left my house in, I think, three days now. So I'm lucky enough that there is an outdoor space in the place that I'm staying. And so I haven't gone out into the community for anything for the past three days since they announced the start of the lockdown. Um, I've been getting outside to like, go for walks back and forth the the alleyway and doing yoga and just trying to keep myself living somewhat normal life here in France. I think for me, the, the decision that caused a lot of anxiety was as a digital nomad. I'm so I'm used to being able to travel, to move around freely, to work remotely and stay connected. I already had the tools to do so. But this question of safety and what does safety mean to me 
was something weighing a lot on my mind because there's this idea of safety for me and my community by staying in France and not traveling, knowing that I could self-isolate here and it would reduce my contact with people on public transit in airports and things of that nature versus the safety that someone naturally has being back in the country in which they're a passport holder. And so choosing to spend my time here instead of going back to the U.S. was something that took a lot of thought and consideration for, for me in making this decision. And ultimately, I'm, I'm glad to just stay where I am and see how things unfold and not be continuing to come in contact with lots of different people. Because even before coming to France, I was in and out of airports for the past couple of weeks. And some of those airports are places where confirmed cases have happened. And so it's like, okay, like this is serious and it's getting even more serious. So it's time to just hunker down and stay safe. Absolutely. And I think, you know, there's a lot of, you know, like I said, I mean, you know, being able to be okay with, you know, a a certain level of fear and anxiety and, and uncertainty in this really disruptive and transformative, you know, unprecedented moment, it's okay. But what's important is to be able to be in touch with that and be honest about some of those feelings and then make sure that you don't get overwhelmed and deluged and paralyzed by that, right? And so that's really where I want to try to add some value to folks because a lot of people are being thrust into situations, of course, that they've never been in before. And a lot of the fear and anxiety that initially stems from that is you know, being overwhelmed by new situation and then also not knowing, you know, what to do and not knowing how to do certain things that need to be done. And that's really where I want to get into some of the tips and strategies and techniques, Ali, that you have today, both for, you know, remote workers in this environment, as well as companies who are either transitioning into remote working situations or, you know, adjusting to new sort of emergency work from home considerations. Because even if you have staff working from home, now all of a sudden, if schools are closed, they've also got their kids at home all day instead of just being able to work remotely like they normally did. There's a whole bunch of other adjustments that are making people feel, you know, a lot of chaos and and challenge and things like that. And the really, really important thing at this juncture, I think, is to start to create and prepare yourself that this may last a while and how not to get, you know, paralyzed with all of this stuff. And so I think, you know, a couple techniques for that, you know, at the core pillar level are, you know, learning about what to do about it and then implementing, you know, these alternative routines and practices and techniques and things like that. And that's where I want to kind of go right now, Ali. So Let's just start off maybe first, before we talk about companies, because there's a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to the show and people that run businesses. And I want to speak to the business owners that are managing staff, but I also want to speak to people, you know, just individuals that are working at home under these conditions. And I think it would be great if we could just start off initially with some of the working from home best practices just for you know, individual peoples, even including business owners that are working from home themselves and trying to do their own stuff. Can you share with us some of your recommended working from home best practices? 
Yeah, I would say first and foremost, in these times, like you've mentioned this a few times, and I just think it's really important to be repetitive about it and make sure that listeners are hearing that there's nothing normal about what's going on in the world right now. And so while for a lot of people that have worked remotely in the past, or companies that are trying to shift their focus to allow their employees to work from home, it's not going to be business is normal. There's nothing normal about the situation and the times that we're in. But given the sense of uncertainty and the lack of control for people, mimicking your normal life as much as possible can give you the clarity and sometimes the sanity to hold on um, so that you can start to feel inspired and creative again. And I know that was true for me in the midst of waiting for updates and trying to figure out my next move, I felt this urge to create and to write and to share my thoughts. And I think it's because I narrowed the scope to what are the things that I can control and how can I spend my time in a way that is going to make me feel productive and happy and that I'm moving forward on some of these things. And so I think for anyone working from home, even if you've worked from home before, you're, you're a veteran remote worker, understand that things aren't normal and figure out the things that are normal for you and make sure you implement them every day. And so for me, it's things like, I really like to make this ginger tea when I moved to different Airbnbs and it's one of the first things that I make. And so I made sure that there was a batch of ginger tea so that when I sat down to work, I could drink it. And I made sure that so far for the past few days that I was doing yoga in between aspects of working on different projects so that I could take a mental break and have some physical activity. And so those are the ways that I've clung on to my sense of normal. And it's interesting, right? Like I've read a lot of articles on this subject. I've shared a few thoughts of my own and there, and there's different advice that works for different people. I see a lot of things that are saying, oh, try to mimic your normal routine in terms of having an alarm clock that goes off at the same time every day and work from nine to five or take a regular lunch break. If that works for people, I think it's great. It doesn't work for me. My remote work tips for everybody is to listen to your body. If you need rest, then sleep in that extra hour. If you're feeling really creative and you want to grab a sandwich and hunker down and write something on your laptop, do that. But cultivate the self-awareness admits all the craziness to know what you need to do. And also don't try to do too much. Yeah, I think those are really, really good tips. And can you also share some thoughts, Allie, in terms of the separation of work and life and family? Because right now for people, everything's getting conflated. And I mean, maybe, you know, even if people were working from home before now, as you said, you know, maybe there's a spouse or a partner that's also working from home that wasn't before, or maybe there's kids now that are in the house that weren't before. And all of a sudden, everything is jumbled. And it's a whole different level of of chaos for even people that have done it before, let alone people that are just doing it for the first time now when all that stuff is is in one place. So what tips do you have for sort of, you know, being able to unplug, being able to balance work and family and life? And then when you are needing to work, 
and you have all of that other stuff that you're trying to juggle in terms of childcare and stuff like that. What types of, of tips do you have for navigating that? Yeah, I would say for everything that someone has going on in their life, they should have one clear top overarching goal. So what is your professional goal for this day, for this week? What is the goal you have for spending time with your family and checking in on them? If you are someone who's responsible for somebody else's child's care, what is the goal for their education? And once you have those goals, you can go back and think of them as your main priorities and schedule them into your calendar for the day or for the week. It's similar to a productivity tip that I shared on the last podcast around this idea of what are your big rocks in life. If you can identify your big rocks, not just for your job, but for everything in your life, then you can make sure that you are scheduling the time for them to get done and working everything else in between. And so now that you're dealing, potentially people are working from home and there's multiple people living in their household communicating, hey, these are my big rocks today. What are your big rocks? And figuring out, are these things that we can work on at the same time? Are these things that need to be worked on at different times? And then how do we adjust accordingly to the needs of the other person? Or using the the fact that they have to be done at different times to the benefit, especially for people balancing childcare. If there's a video call for work that one person needs to be on, can the other person of the household watch over the household while that call is going on and then shift responsibilities? So I think it'll take some experimenting. I am, but overall, I think as long as there's awareness on what the top priorities are for people, there's open communication for what that looks like. And there's a willingness of the person the people that person interacts with, the business leaders and companies. I know we'll talk about that in a little bit, but I just think everybody needs to live their life with a little bit more empathy these days and a little bit more forgiveness, knowing that we're all experimenting together. Good, good suggestion. What about physical space in the house and in this new work environment? How should people think about that in terms of, you know, workspace and then, you know, non-workspace and sort of, you know, readjusting the way that they maybe conceptualize some of that stuff? Yeah. Again, I think it depends on like what space you have available to you and how creative you can get. In an ideal world, I think that everybody would have a dedicated workspace that could signify to them like, hey, we're shifting into work mode. Um, This is your place to do work, whether it's a home office, whether it's a certain table or a certain spot at your kitchen table, that would be the ideal scenario. Some people don't have that option available to them. And so I think it's about making the space fit the need that you're trying to solve at a given time. So I'll, I'll use myself as an example. I'm currently in a like lofted studio apartment. I'm doing this podcast sitting on the bed with a chair as my desk. I moved. So I'm sitting at the way end of the bed. Like normally if you're laying down where your feet are. And so it signifies, Hey, this is not a normal spot for me to be sitting in. This is my podcast spot. Earlier today, I'm a huge fan of stand up desks and there's a kitchen islands. 
the kitchen island is too short for it to be a standing desk. So I took a, a pot and I put my laptop on top of it. And I said, this is my standing desk while I'm working on this task. And then when it was time to eat lunch, I put the pot away, put my computer away and put out the plates for lunch. So that signified to my brain like, hey, you're shifting from work mode to break mode and clean off the space as much as possible. And so if you are working with limited like square feet, even small clues like the pillows off the couch mean I'm working, the pillows on the couch mean I'm hanging out. Like the more things you can do to train your brain, I think it'll help you make that context switch and create boundaries about what you want to do. The number one thing like I will say is when you're done working, if you can take a tech break, it's huge in making sure that you're not getting sucked back in um, and working by default. And so if you can shut your computer down and take a break, even if it's for 10 minutes and then you open it up and you're going to watch Netflix, like that's a really powerful movement to just shut it and close it and sit and think. Um, and it creates those boundaries that, that you need just in terms of, hey, let me break up. I want to take just one minute out to let you know that in addition to hosting The Maverick Show, I am also the co-founder of Maverick Investor Group, a real estate brokerage that helps you buy turnkey rental properties in the best U.S. real estate markets from anywhere. So these are single family homes sometimes two to four unit properties, and they're either brand new or fully renovated, and they already have tenants and local property management in place. So you get all the benefits of owning the deeded real estate, that physical house, the hard asset, without the headaches of being the landlord or the rehabber or needing to live near the property. So I wanna offer you a free consultation if that sounds interesting to you. To learn more about it, you can just go to themaverickshow.com slash consult. And now, back to the episode. The time that I'm spending to do something today. Yeah, I agree with that entirely. You know, the other thing that I'm doing and I think is useful, especially if people are in a household with, you know, more people than are normally in it now <laughs> during the workday who are making noise and doing different things, it can be very distracting, right? And if you don't have an office where you can just go in and close the door and that type of a situation, one of the things that I do is I use my Bose noise canceling headphones and I use a website, Ali, I don't even know if you know about this, but one of my other podcast guests, Chris Reynolds, recommended it to me. And it's a website called Brain FM, brain.fm. And it allows you to stream, you know, it's a paid service. It's probably some free version. I just paid for it because as soon as I saw it, I was like, I need this immediately. I'm going to use it all day, every day. So I just paid for it to get the unlimited. But it basically is streaming of you know, music slash sort of different types of noises like, you know, uh, rain or, you know, ocean waves or stuff, but also like music and like focus. And it has different moods you can select, like focus, creative work, relaxation, like different things like that. And so I find it's incredibly helpful for my work because I can just put on my noise canceling headphones and just crank the Brain FM and it just you know, gets my mind where it needs to be in terms of focusing or being creative or doing a deep work session or whatever it is. And then everything else 
is just out. So other people could be talking or maybe there's a TV is on or something else, but I can't hear any of it. I'm just in the zone. And so that's been really helpful for me. And I would encourage, you know, anybody that's in an environment where you, you find an increasing amount of distractions in terms of noise and things that are going on, that may be, uh, you know, something to look into that can, can really help as well. Yeah. And it's like a physical cue, like, Hey, I'm wearing the headphones. I'm in work mode. Other ways you can do that is post-it notes. If your door is closed, especially if there's, you know, children around making sure it's eye level for kids, like don't come in here, be quiet. If you have a shared calendar with the people in your household, marking when people have various calls so that the sound from the calls aren't competing against one another are all strategies you can use to carve out the ideal and less than ideal working conditions. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. All right, Ellie, let's transition a little bit now to talking about business owners and managers of people that are enduring this shift and are trying to keep their companies afloat and the workforces productive in light of everything that's going on, both in terms of their businesses being affected and in terms of their workforces being personally affected in all the ways we just described. Can you talk a little bit, I mean, just first of all, you know, like right away, right off the bat, like this week, you know, emergency work from home considerations for this moment, not even long term stuff, but like right away, what should be top of mind and top priority for um, business owners and business leaders? I think this week, three things that business owners can be thinking of, I'm going to call them the three T's, is tools, trust, and your team. From a tool standpoint, in order to have an emergency work-from-home plan, you need to make sure that your employees can get access to the work they need to get done. And so thinking about things, and it might be, you know, it might be kind of scrambling to get it done, but does everyone have a laptop? Does everyone have stable internet connection? Consider getting a VPN up and running to maintain the the security of your work and, and implement that for your employees right from the get-go. And I think long-term, there's so many amazing tools for remote work. Short-term this week, use the tools that your team feels comfortable using. And so if you think of something like, there's really innovative ways to do like brainstorming online, but Google Docs, if like that's what your, your team is familiar with and that's how they know how to use it and you can have different colors for different people and put your thoughts in there, like it's going to shorten the learning curve, which will naturally reduce anxiety and let you focus on the work right away. Um, but you have to make sure there's some basic tools set up to have access to each other, have access to the materials where you work and to be able to share information. So that would be like my first T for everybody. The second one would be trust. For business owners, I think it's a really good reminder. You hired these people for a reason. There's already trust there. And this is an opportunity for both of you to deepen your relationship with trusting each other. So what I think a company can do in terms of building trust is to not silence communication and the unknowns. If possible, I think employers should be able to share a timeline for their employees about how long they think this work from home situation will last, when it will start if it hasn't started already, 
and a cadence in which they'll just naturally check in with each other to see what's working well, what's not working. Are there any updates on coming back to work? Yes or no. Just so that people aren't sitting there wondering. And what I think employers can do to get trust from their employees is to create a cadence or a system of expected check-ins and goal setting. And so managers or business leaders should look to their teams and say, hey, this is the top goal that you should work on this week. And employees can then feel enabled and empowered to say, this is how I'm going to work on it. Expect an update on Wednesday or expect an update on Friday and then follow through with it. And so it's a really great opportunity if managers teach their teams and their employees how to check in what the expectations are to really let their employees be autonomous and and show that they can work remotely even under these these situations. And then the third T is the team. Don't forget about your people in all of this. Check in have some extra care with people, ask, you know, one more time if they're doing okay, if their family's doing okay, if they need anything. Building relationships can be awkward for people remotely. And I think people, especially in the face of work, try to put on this thick skin. But there's something about vulnerability and empathy now more than ever that I think will take employee relationships with their coworkers, their teams, the companies to the next level. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. It's super, super, super important for people to extend that empathy and for people to feel that empathy. And I think the more empathetic we as a society can be right now in supporting each other's needs, which are in some cases going to be similar and in many cases going to be quite different. And so I think it's really important that particular tip, Ali, to try to understand what's going on with each of your people. You know, and it's the same thing we should be doing with our friends for that matter and our family members, you know, in terms of our, you know, with our company culture and our staff and stuff as well is understanding what is people's individual situations and how might they be unique or different and how might we be able to support and accommodate them and make them feel supported and accommodated. I think that's crucially important at this time, like, you know, society wide. So let me ask you this now in terms of, you know, moving forward and thinking about medium term, okay? So like you just talked about this week, these need to be the priorities. This is kind of the emergency transitionary priorities that need to happen. If people and companies and staff are preparing that this may take a lot longer um, and this situation may be a reality for quite some time, uh, what are the next sort of medium term thoughts and processes that uh, business owners and business leaders should be moving towards? I think in the medium term, there's a couple of things to think of. So one, from a very like HR standpoint, do you have policies in place that will easily allow your employees to navigate this in the medium term? So some things to pay attention to from a human resources standpoint is do you have clear sick leave policies that include working from home and how should employees be able to designate if they're 
taking time off if they need to explore participating in short-term or long-term disability leave and like, how is your company set up for that? Or how to designate, hey, I'm not feeling well, but I'm still able and willing to work. And is that something that you as an employer wants to allow the flexibility for or not? And depending on how you have your vacation policies, your sick leave policies set up, clarifying those policies for employees in the medium term, I think will be important. And again, making sure that you have the right tools to easily communicate that because you can't just, you know, walk into your manager's office and say, hey, by the way, I'm taking next week off. Uh, You have to be able to communicate that virtually. I think having a shared calendar to do so is the easiest way to make sure all the stakeholders know about it right from the get-go. And it will take a little bit of education from a leader perspective based off of what your philosophy is on what your expectations are. Because people, I think, like go to work as a default or, or want to downplay maybe if they're just, you know, feeling a little bit under the weather, but now is the time to focus on health. And I think we're seeing that globally. And so even if you are working from home, making it okay to navigate, taking the time off if you need it will be really important. And other policies as well that you might not be thinking about as your company in terms of like, what is our information security policy If you're in the type of company where you work on really sensitive information, knowing that there's other people sharing a household, like how is that going to change the types of conversations that you're having openly with your coworkers? So talking through some of those expectations, I think will be really important. Other things in, in the medium term will be moving out of emergency work into sustainable work and making that transition by helping everybody in the company focus on what is going to be the most high leverage activities and working towards business goals will be really important. And so I think finding mechanisms with remote work to rally everyone around your business mission and then to break it down into department goals, individual goals, and setting really clear expectations is going to be the most important thing to make this feasible and sustainable in the medium term. And can you recommend or some of the more innovative apps and tools and that kind of stuff that you had sort of alluded to? You said, you know, in the emergency kind of first week, just continue using whatever you've been using. But if this goes on for longer, what other types of platforms, tools, or apps might companies want to look into to facilitate uh, a, a longer-term sustainable situation for their business and their workers? Yeah, so my three favorites is um, Zoom for video calls. What I love about Zoom is it has a pretty high capacity to have large video calls, so potentially your all-hands calls, depending on the size of your company. Some other features it has that can be really fun is breakout rooms. And so you can have a group of 20 people and then break them up into groups of four people to talk about a a brainstorming question and then bring them back into the main room to report what they talked about. And so it's a really fun way to play and mimic what it looks like when you are having a big group meeting and split people up into pairs or to small teams to accomplish something. And I think that's awesome. 
And then also it has a chat functionality. So while you're talking, you can also implement features in chat for people that might be more introverted for asking questions or just for like making jokes to lighten the like tension and anxiety in the room. It's really great for that. Another one that I think most people that work remotely already know, but could be new for people making this shift for the first time is Slack. I love Slack. I think it's great for having conversations with people. It can mimic the water cooler of your office. You can create special interest groups in Slack so people can talk about things that are not just work related. And Slack has a plethora of plugins that can support businesses doing different things. My favorite of which being the donut plugin where you can randomly assign people um, that might not know each other to get together. And so it could be really great in these times to have a donut meetup using Slack and have people connect to really share tips about how they're working from home. And then they'll get to connect with a coworker that they don't talk to very often. And then my third favorite is Asana, which is a project management tool. And it's just a really great tool for breaking down projects into tasks and adding stakeholders and being able to collaborate using something a little bit more visual. Awesome. Yeah, we use Slack as well. Uh, We use Trello instead of Asana, which is an alternative project management tool. So either one of those, if you're not using a project management system, both of them, fantastic. Ali, can you expand a little bit on the importance of creating virtual camaraderie and team cohesion and that kind of stuff? I also want to hear about this uh, virtual karaoke party framework that I don't know if you invented it, but uh, I've heard you talk about it because I think, I think uh, you know, what's going to happen here in the medium term if we maintain this, we're already calling it social isolation. And of course, everybody knows that, you know, long-term social isolation literally can be very, very challenging for people in terms of, you know, mental health, emotional health, and our need to, you know, socialize with other human beings. And so how can we as people, and particularly, you know, how can business facilitate for their staff, you know, as much uh, healthy sort of social interaction and like you said, light, fun, camaraderie in the light, you know, in, in the context of all the, you know, challenging stuff and uncertainty that's going on? Yeah, so... I think the importance of just social connection is innate in humans. From a business perspective, if you really want to think about the numbers and be that driven towards your business goals, community at work matters because it makes people more engaged and connected, which will like help with retention. It will help with results and it's just better for the business. At a more like human level, it's important to be around other people. And if you can't physically be around them, sharing ideas, having your assumptions, questions, being creative, connecting with people that make you happy will make you want to create and live towards your mission. It's been, I think, fascinating for me the past few days because I'm so used to working remotely and sometimes, you know, I've experienced traveling alone or traveling with a small group of people and not having access to my friend's community in person. I almost 
forgot how challenging it can be to feel isolated in that way. And I have friends that are working from home for the first time that have video calls me in the middle of the day because they're feeling a lack of inspiration for their work because they're lonely. And it really made me realize just how important it is to make sure that you're finding ways to stay connected with people, whether it's your coworkers or your friends. And I think that's what I'm seeing a lot right now is like a rebirth of creative ways to have that connection online. So we mentioned like a karaoke party. I think that getting a bunch of people on a Zoom call and, you know, singing and having virtual glasses of wine can be a really good stress relief for people. I know it exists where you can like play virtual board games with people. And so if you're more into playing board games than singing, that could be something to look out for. Yeah, I think there's lots of fun ways to be creative and and get connected with people. Having like a virtual book club where or an article club or a discussion group where you propose a topic and then everyone comes and shares their ideas and thoughts around it recipe swaps where everyone shares a recipe and you kind of it's like that Pinterest fail where like you'll all make it in your separate homes and take pictures of it and then you can upload your pictures and talk about like whose looks like it's from a food and wine magazine and who looks like it should be thrown out in the garbage can add a little like humor and make sure that people are eating well and taking care of themselves so I think there's lots of opportunities here for like really fun ways to connect with your colleagues and almost like more than you would in an office like see what life is like for them yeah, a hundred percent. And I mean, there's a lot, you know, a lot of the language that's going around now about what people are do are supposed to do is called social isolation or social distancing. But I think some of that is a misnomer. What you want to be doing is physical isolation and physical distancing. But basically, you want to be doing the opposite in terms of what you want to be doing socially. You simply want to be doing it virtually, right? So the more physical distance and the more physical isolation you have the more social connection you need to counterbalance that and you need to do it virtually, you need to be proactive about it. And I think it's so important what you just said, Ali, about making sure that you're doing things that are fun and you're able to be laughing. Like, I feel like that's almost like, you know, a metric or something that people need to be very self-aware of. Like, if you go through an entire day, did you laugh? You know, how many times did you laugh during your day? Right. And if you're going like days on end with no laughter and no fun because everything is, you know, serious and frightening and challenging and stuff like that, understand that that has an impact on, you know, your entire mental and emotional health and stuff. And so I think to the greatest extent possible that you can be aware of that and try to integrate. Um, situations for yourself and for others to make sure that people are keeping their spirits up during this time. That's going to be a huge part of getting through this pandemic, I think. Yeah. And I think it's a question that leaders can ask their team without too much fear of like repercussion. I think sometimes leaders in, at companies are nervous to talk to people about the personal stuff. But just asking someone like, what's something that made you laugh yesterday? Or what's like a funny TV show or movie that you would recommend is a way to infuse people being people and sharing their lives with each other without it crossing any boundaries that people might feel uncomfortable with at work. 
Right. A hundred percent. And can you talk about changes that remote managers should be making during this pandemic? We've sort of talked broadly about a few of them, you know, in terms of speaking about business owners and what leaders need to think about. But, you know, additional changes that managers, whether they're the business owner or whether they're just responsible for a team with respect to, you know, making everything from making sure productivity continues, you know, and and other types of things in this new environment, any tips you have specifically for managers? I think that a lot of the tips that I shared can translate to someone at a management or leadership level. I would say, again, just things to check in on would be access to tools and information. Do you feel like you have what you need to get your job done? It was a great question that managers can ask at every single one-on-one that they have with their people. Two, especially for managers of people that work remotely, knowing that this remote work setup is not their norm, asking about like what are the changes in your schedule or what are the changes going on in your day-to-day life that are impacting your work and how can we create new boundaries to make sure that you have the time dedicated to the expectations of your job, but also knowing that there's now new challenges at play and being able to be more flexible. And so if you're a company that has consistently been rooted in like the nine to five mechanism, remote or not, understanding that might be challenging because now people have kids home, schools are canceled. And so what if their best time to get work done is actually after those kids have gone to bed? Like how is that going to impact your bottom line and your ability to get work done? And so I think managers should be in the front lines of having those conversations with their employees because they already have that trusted relationship. And The third tip is just keeping the lines of communication open. It's easy, I think, to be out of sight, out of mind when people are working virtually and to assume that everybody's doing great because you can't see the feedback that they're struggling, whether it's personally or struggling on a business problem they need help solving. And so take that extra time to check in with people. And it's better to be overly communicative than to disappear behind a computer screen. Really, really good tips. Can you now talk a little bit about your company? Yes. (laughs) Kohana, and uh, just share a little bit about the background, the mission, what the company does, who it's for, and who can your company help right now? Yeah, so Kohana was born out of this internal just like urge that I was having of seeing people talk about remote work and having people be able to have more flexible schedules and companies not fully understanding what that transition looks like. And so I had this amazing work experience prior to um, founding Kohana, where I was able to work remotely, travel full-time, help grow a company from about 30 people to close to 90 people and see the trials and tribulations of how that impacts the human experience at work. And so my mission with PeopleOps has always been how to help people feel 
effective, efficient, and engaged in their work. And I think that in order to do that remotely, business leaders need to know how to create frameworks and internal processes to help build behavioral norms at work. And so if you know, we're going to enter this future of, of work movement, if people are going to be able to have the flexibility they need in their life to take care of their personal priorities, which is something I feel is so important for people and balancing their professional endeavors, then business leaders need to learn how to help do that. And so the mission with Kohana is really to help companies create these frameworks regardless of where their office looks like. So if it's an office that lets people work from home a few times a week, if it's people that are fully distributed in the world, how can you help your employees be efficient, effective, and engaged? Amazing. That's awesome. So, all right. Well, Ali, I want to sort of in wrapping this up, I want you to let people know, you know, maybe expand upon that a little bit in terms of what specific types of people right now might want to uh, get in touch with Kohana and what can you offer to folks that are, you know, that the right fit for Kohana? Yeah. So anybody who manages people and are finding themselves in the new world of working from home or business leaders that are short term or long term trying to figure out how a work from home or remote work strategy can fit into their company culture would be the best people to to reach out to me. And for listeners of your podcast, if you want to get in touch with me, at Allie at Kohana.io. I'm happy to offer a complimentary introduction session just to get to know the problems your business is facing and offer a few tips to get you started. Amazing. So folks, we are going to link all of that up in the show notes. And then Allie, for anybody else that wants to connect with you, follow you on social media and all of that kind of stuff, how can people find you and find the amazing content you're putting out, by the way, because you are really putting out some really good and important content right now. I want everybody to be able to make sure they follow you and what you're doing. So how do people find you? You can find me by going to kohana.io. If people are interested in seeing how I'm spending my time in my physical isolation, uh, you can follow me on Instagram. It's cngreen. And I usually share more personal updates about my life and my travels there. And I just started blogging on Medium. And so you can follow Allie underscore green with an E on Medium. And it's where I'm going to be sharing some of my ideas about remote work. Really, really, really good content there so far. And I would encourage everybody to follow you on Medium. Go check out what you've put there and be on the lookout for anything else that's coming up. And in closing this out, Allie, why don't we just give an example of uh, what you and I are going to do right after we jump off of this podcast uh, in terms of virtual socializing? Um, So I'm going to go have a virtual party with my favorite co-living space. Um, Some folks that are hunkered down in Javier, Spain from the team at Sun & Co. is having a little social get-together on video. So I'm going to show up on Spanish time and say hi to everybody. And Sienna Brown, who Maverick Show listeners know because she was on the podcast, is going to be a big part of that party as well. 
and uh, I may uh, jump in there as well, say hello to folks. And then I have other, you know, we have other virtual wine parties and things like that to attend to and many more in the works. So folks, you're going to be able to find all of the resources that we have discussed in this show at one place at themaverickshow.com. Just go to the show notes for this episode, all the links on how to contact Ali how to check out her company website, how to get that free consultation with her, which is an insane amount of value. And then also how to find her content on Medium and pay attention to what she is up to. So with that, Ali, thank you so much for being here today. It was really, really, really awesome to have you on the show again. Yeah, it was great to talk to you too. And hopefully I can see you in person sometime in the world. Otherwise, we'll have to have a virtual glass of wine soon. We'll keep having virtual glasses of wine until it's safe to have a real one. And as soon as it's safe to have a real one, we'll make that happen. Perfect. (laughs) All right. Good night, everybody. Bye. Be sure to visit the show notes page at themaverickshow.com for direct links to all the books, people, and resources mentioned in this episode. You'll find all that and much more at themaverickshow.com. Do you want to learn how to travel the world for a year plus with carry-on luggage only and look good while you're doing it? Go to themaverickshow.com slash packing to see a free recorded webinar and learn exactly how Matt does it. He shows you the luggage he uses, the specific items he packs, and the travel brands he likes most. Even if you're just looking to go on shorter trips, but pack more efficiently and eliminate your checked luggage, you won't want to miss this. You can watch the free recorded webinar at themaverickshow.com forward slash packing. Would you like to get Maverick Investor Group's white paper on real estate investing for digital nomads? How to buy U.S. rental properties from anywhere in the world and finance an epic international lifestyle? Just go to themaverickshow.com slash nomad. The report is totally free and available for you now at themaverickshow.com forward slash nomad.